Let's pray. Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, the Bible, and we ask that you might speak to us through it today. In Jesus' name, amen. God doesn't need us. Did you know that? He doesn't need us. Many of you know, I suspect, what it's like uh, to have young children and uh, have them try to help you do a task, you know, like cooking in the kitchen or tidying the bedroom or chainsawing down tre- No, don't do that with your kids. But, but you know what it's like, right? You, you let them help because they're keen to help and be involved. But really, the truth of it is, you could do it much better without them. You could do it faster, quicker, easier, with a better result. And yet we like to include them because we love them, we care for them and we want them to grow to be able to do those things. Well, God doesn't need us to do his work in the world. But because of his love and care for us, he has chosen to especially entrust us with his work in the world. That we get to partner with God with what he's doing in the world. It's a great privilege and a responsibility. He could no doubt do things much better than we can himself, but he graciously includes us in what he is doing. And one of the many privileges and tasks he gives to us as humans in his world is the task of making him known, of teaching. And that's what this psalm that Sandra just read to us Uh, is about Sandra is one of our scripture teachers she's a a veteran we've got a few veterans Sandra's been I I mean that in the nicest way she's been (laughs) teaching since her own children were at Willoughby Public and currently she's teaching a year five and a year six class at Willoughby Public three different classes at Chatswood Public and just to fill in her spare time a couple of scripture classes at Chatswood High each week Um, One of the privileges that God has entrusted to us as humans is the task of teaching and making him known, uh, which this Bible reading encourages us to do. Uh, We're told it's a mascal, no one knows what a mascal is, some kind of musical or literary term, but a mascal of Asaph. And in it, Asaph teaches the people and encourages them to do so. Now, Asaph, what we do know about Asaph is he was a musician in the court of King David, the great uh, king of Israel. Uh, And so he's initially addressing God's people about a thousand years before Jesus. But God has so worked through Asaph to record this, so that just as Asaph was addressing God's people a thousand years before Jesus, through his words, God is addressing us today. Have a look at it again with me. It's on page 582 of the Bibles, Psalm 78. Uh, beginning at verse 1, he says, My people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from, de- from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. 
I not infrequently hear people tell me, I like to think of God as, and fill in the blank. But of course, God hasn't left us to guess who he is and what he's like. God has revealed himself to us through his mighty works to save his people in the past. And through his word, he has given us explanation and instruction about himself. We're not left guessing what God is like. God has shown us what he is like. He has told us what he is like. And entrusted us with that to pass on to generation after generation. God could have come afresh to each generation and do new mighty works, new saving actions, reveal himself in new ways. But in God's good plan, he has done that in the past He has recorded that, given his word to his people and entrusted us and each generation to pass on that to the next. Asaph talks about the decrees, uh, the statutes he decreed for Jacob and the law he'd established in Israel. Uh, Jacob and Israel, it's just a poetic way of describing the people of Israel. Uh, And his primary reference there is talking about the law that God had given to Moses. After God had rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, brought them out of slavery and made them a nation of themselves, then he said, since I've rescued you and called you to be my people, this is how I want you to live. Uh, So God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and uh, the rest of the laws. Uh, And anyone with uh, children in scripture, if you don't know that story yourself, ask your kids. We've done it with them. Uh, They should know about it. But as God gives them that law, he also entrusts them with a responsibility. Uh, Back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, this is what God says to his people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates." God didn't intend to speak to every generation the way he spoke to the generation he rescued out of slavery in Egypt. Not every generation would witness firsthand God's amazing acts by which he saved his people. But God entrusted that generation with the privilege and responsibility to teach the next so that in turn they could teach their children. And God says you to do this, particularly to parents. He says do this all the time as you sit down, as you walk along the road. Uh, Have reminders of this around your house to prompt conversations with your children. Parents, it's your role to pass it on to the next generation. Succeeding generations were to learn about the will of God, about what he had done, his merciful love from their parents. And our our children must learn it from us. Indeed, we have even greater things to tell our children of. 
of God's greatest act of saving his people through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God primarily gives this responsibility to parents. Uh, We see that there, we see it in the New Testament as well. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And if God entrusts us as parents to teach this to our children, then it's helpful if we as parents know what we're on about. So if you, if you uh, think, I don't know what to tell my kids about God, then come and speak to me afterwards or speak to somebody else, come along to church and join one of our connect groups and learn more so that you're better equipped to teach your children. But just as God primarily gives that responsibility to the parents it's not their responsibility alone it's a responsibility he gives to a whole generation to tell the next generation there's a generational responsibility for the people of God for us that means a church responsibility And might I just add, that responsibility for us to tell the next generation doesn't stop when the next generation reach 18. Uh, One of the great joys of being in this church is is, uh, mixing with older Christians, more mature, shall I say. Those who've who've been doing it longer, who've been living the Christian life longer, who continue to teach me and my generation as we seek to teach the next generation. But it's a responsibility of all of us to teach the next generation. Now, our generation and and those either side of ours, uh, we have the great blessing of having God's word easily available to us. What God has told us about himself, we can pick up for a few dollars. We can access it here in the church in our own language. And we can't teach our children anything about God apart from what we know of him in the Bible. Uh, The Bible is how God chooses to reveal himself. Uh, And so just as a a byline here, uh, our Year 6 Scripture students who've been with us for maybe up to seven years, about to head off to high school, we like to give them a gift of a Bible, their own Bible, before they leave. So I... If you'd like to support us in that, we've got um, the Bibles we want to give them are about $10 each. We've got about 60 students. Uh, so, so it's going to cost us about $600. If you'd like to make a contribution to that, this box will be out with the scripture stuff after the service, or you can speak to me. But either way, we're going to give this gift um, to the Year 6 students as they leave. So we can't know God apart from how he reveals himself to us through his word. But I suspect that there's not many of us here who've only come to know God through picking up a Bible and reading it for yourself. For, for most of us here, I suspect there was one or two or many people who've been part of that role of teaching us about God, whether it's parents or grandparents whether it's scripture teachers at school or Sunday school teachers at church, whether it's been friends or colleagues or ministers, or even your own children teaching you as adults. There have been people that God has used 
to speak to us about him, to teach us about the wonderful things that God has done that he's revealed to us in his word. People that God continues to use. God doesn't need us, but he's chosen to use us to teach the next generation. Our responsibility as parents and our responsibility as a church. And we do this formally and informally. Informally as parents, uh, as we have those conversations, as you walk along the road, as you sit down, as, the, as you sit down to share a meal, as kids drift off to sleep. Those questions they ask, those conversations we have. And we can do it formally as parents too. We might have a time uh, during the day, during the week, where we might read the Bible and pray with our children. And equally, as a church, as we, as a church, seek to support parents in that God-given role, we can do that formally and informally. Informally, as we support parents, as we meet with them, as we chat with them, as we speak to their children. And formally, uh, through our children's program on a Sunday, through Kids Zone and Switch and our Connect uh, High School group on a Sunday afternoon, and through Scripture. This is why we as a church are committed to Scripture, because it's working out that God-given responsibility of supporting parents in teaching them about God. That, that's the basis behind Scripture. Scripture... Here, I'm going to read you a quote because it's all technical, right? So that means it's legit. SRE, Special Religious Education, is defined as education in the distinctive religious tenets and beliefs of the home and family, provided by the churches and other religious groups for parents expressing the desire that they receive such teaching. Scripture is about us as a church supporting parents by helping to instruct their children in the knowledge of God. But what's the point? What's the point in teaching the next generation? Why has God entrusted us with this? Well, God's aim is threefold. And we can see this in, back in the psalm. The first thing is, we teach the next generation so that they will know about God. Have a look at verse verse 5 and 6. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. God wants us to teach the next generation because he wants the next generation to know about him, to know what he has done for us, to know about his love for us, and to know what he has told us about himself in the Bible. We teach the next generation that they might know about God. But knowing about God is not the goal in and of itself. Knowing about God is not sufficient. As the Apostle James writes in the New Testament in James chapter 2, he says, You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So we want the children to know more than just know about God, know about him. 
God wants us to teach the children, the next generation, so they will know about him in order that they might put their trust in him. Have a look, verse 7. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. God doesn't want our children, or, or us for that matter, just to know about God. God wants us to know him, to put our trust in him, to put our hope in him, to rely on him, to place our confidence in him. And we need to keep telling our children this. We need to keep telling ourselves this because it's so easy for us to put our hope and trust in ourselves. So easy for us to teach our children to put their hope and trust in themselves. Life is what you make it, we tell them. You can be anything you want to. You just need to study hard and work hard. It's especially easy, I suspect, for us in this part of this city where we're rich in resources and opportunities. Easy for us to forget that we need to rely on God. And God knows that danger, that it's easy to forget. He knew the danger to the Israelites. So in that passage I read before from Deuteronomy chapter 6 when he says you to tell your children about my laws, about my commands, uh, and all those stages of life. He goes on, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of goods you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied... Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God knows the danger that in times of goodness and blessing we will forget what God has done for us. We don't look back to God rescuing his people out of slavery. We look back to God rescuing his people from sin and death through Jesus' death on our behalf. In fact, the, the rest of, if you flick through Psalm 78, it's quite a long psalm, and the rest of the psalm is essentially Asaph reminding the people, hey, this is all the times where the people of Israel have forgotten God, and that's how it worked out for them. So we need to teach our children that they might know, but that they might remember to trust in God. And we need to keep telling them, because it's easy to forget. So this is not like the other job that parents have of teaching their children. You know that one talk that is awkward, you have it once and you hope never to have it again? It's not like that. We need to keep telling our children over and over again. It reminds me of that, that great old hymn. Uh, it's, a, it's a poem that became a hymn, Tell Me the Old, Old Story. Do you know that one of Jesus and his love? There's one verse like this. Tell me the story slowly, that I may take it in. That wonderful redemption, God's remedy for sin. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. The early dew of morning has passed away at noon. 
So Asaph reminds us to tell the next generation that they might know about God, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but keep his commands. So easy to forget our need for God, so easy to forget what he's done for us. So we need to teach our children so that they will put their trust in him. So that's two of the three things. The third one is that God wants us to teach our children so that they will obey him. Verse 7 again, Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. God wants each generation to obey him, to keep his commands. But he wants that to come out of a trust in him. Obeying God is not the first step. It's the consequence of trusting in him. So it's obedience that not comes from fear or threat, but comes out of transformed hearts and spirits. That's which was lacking in the previous generation. Heart's not loyal, spirit's not faithful. And so obedience to God comes not out of teaching morals or good manners. It doesn't come out of teaching children what to think or how to behave. It comes out of teaching children to know God, to trust in him, and then to think his ways after him, then to act in his ways. That's what God wants for us. That we might know about him, that we might trust in him, and therefore that we might long to obey him. That's what God wants for us. And that's what God has entrusted to us for the next generation. This is something we can't do in our own strength. So let's pray now and ask that God would help us to do that which he's entrusted us with. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you've not remained silent, but you've revealed yourself to us through your word. We thank you for those faithful generations who've preserved that, who've passed it on to us, and we thank you for all those who've used to bring the, good, the message of Jesus to each, and, each one of us. And so we pray that you might equip us to teach the next generation. We thank you for the opportunities we have uh, formally here through our children's and youth programs and through the schools through scripture. We ask that you might help us to take every opportunity informally to support parents and as parents to teach our children. And we pray that you might be at work in us, that we might continue to grow in our knowledge of you, our love of you, our trust of you and our obedience to you, that we might teach our children, that they might know you, trust you and obey you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.